What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Saturday episode of Flippin' Bats, which is with the Hall of Famer, John Smoltz. Saturday with Smoltz, if you will. And this week, we got a really, really good one for you. We're going to talk all about the Orioles, their comments from the ownership that were a bit perplexing to hear, at least in, in August. Uh, Gunnar Henderson as well, who is this week's podcast guest, going to ask him, hey, would you have gone for second or would you have stayed at first for the cycle? Also, the Mariners and the AL West, if he believes that the Mariners could potentially win that really, really good division, as well as what the Angels did with their number one pick from July 9th. And in case you haven't heard, on July 9th, the Angels drafted Nolan Shanuel, and now he is in the big leagues. So I've been very vocal about that and how I would like to see that more in baseball. I'm going to ask John Smoltz the same question. But before we toss to that, just so you all know, this was recorded before the news of Shohei Otani. So next time we talk to Smoltz, uh, the next episode, I will talk to him all about that injury. And there is references to Shohei Otani in the lineup for the Angels here. So just so you know, it was recorded just before the Shohei news. But this is a really fun conversation. Without further ado, let's welcome in now Hall of Famer, John Smoltz. Fly ball onto the track at the wall. It's gone. Home run. Turns on a ball. Deep right field and gone. What a game. What a moment. All right, and I am pumped to welcome him in now. Hall of Famer for the Atlanta Braves, John Smoltz. John, how are we this week? Doing good. Just trying to survive the heat. A little hot, you know, hot week, but all 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 things considered, doing good. Good, good. Let's start this week. I want to talk about the AL West, because what we've seen over the last week or so is the Rangers go on their longest losing streak of the season. Uh, the Mariners sweep the Astros. And now we just have this jumbled perfection in the AL West. And we're in for quite the stretch run here. We got the Rangers and the Rangers, Astros and Mariners all right there. What are you feeling about the AL West and who do you think walks away as the winners here? Yeah, when we got to the All-Star break, we thought and looked like the AL East would have three teams in the postseason. Now it looks like there very well could be three teams from the West. And I think that the Seattle Mariners, since the All-Star break, have found their offense. Their pitching has always been great. And they got on that massive winning streak that just, you know, injected fuel into their stretch run. So they're a dangerous team. Everyone knew they were a dangerous team. Nobody thought that they would go on this kind of offensive stretch, but good for them. And you know, Houston's Houston. I mean, they've been there, done that. They're not going to fret it. I don't think it matters where they situate themselves in the postseason. I'm sure they'd like to win the West like anybody else to secure those playoff uh, advantages. But it is going to be a dogfight between those two, the West and the East. Um, the Central's pretty much, you know, we knew there was only going to be one team coming from there. Have you ever, I know you've never seen anybody have 17 hits in four games because it hadn't really, it hasn't happened. But have you ever seen anybody as hot as Julio Rodriguez was during that four game stretch? Not really. And nobody could understand as cold as he was early on that something had to give. Right. And everyone said, if he goes, they go. And he certainly went into a absolute monster four or five game stretch and good for him because he's an electric player. He's got an electric bat and he's He plays with energy. So he's the straw that stirs it. And yeah. similar to Cunha with the Braves. 
two guys top of the lineup that do it all for uh, their teams. I want to stick in the AL West with the Angels, who are not playing great baseball, but we just saw them call up their number one draft pick, Nolan Chaniel, from this year's draft, July 9th. And just over a month later, he's making his debut in the big leagues, leading off in front of Shohei Otani. First off, what are your thoughts there on him getting called up by the Angels? Well, good for the Angels. You know, the system has changed. This never would have happened two years ago. So when your better players get up there, it's the best thing for them to get acclimated to the big leagues. Yes, the college season can be a grind too, but this is a good move for the Angels and certainly for the player. He gets to, you know, get his feet wet and play with the best player in the universe and just get that intimidation factor out of the way. And I think learning on the job is not a bad thing. If you know the player can handle it, more power to him. What are your thoughts on on that overall? Because it really led me down a, a road of, I tend to like it. And I do understand with division one college pitchers specifically, it's a lot, it is more difficult because they're coming off the most innings of their life. They're not acclimated to pitching every five days. It's more like once a week for 50 to 60 games, not 162. But when it, when it comes to these division one college athletes from power five programs that are playing good talent that are already 21 years old when they get drafted, I would like to see over time more teams willing to to call up their guys quicker. Well, I mean, what what do you think? I, I do. I like it. I think getting a chance to look at big league pitching, which is going to be so different than college, baseball's different. Everything about it's different. So getting acclimated to the big leagues and just getting your reps in is a great thing to go into the offseason. The Angels are going nowhere. And I think for this young player, the the future gets to be pretty bright. Uh, and he gets to work on things in the offseason. He'll have a normal offseason, and then it's right back at it, trying to learn how to stay in the big leagues. A lot of the the discussion that I heard come from it is that you can ruin a young player's confidence. And to that, I, I've said, I, I've talked to so many guys and understand it myself. The game of baseball is a game of failure. And the quicker and better you can learn to deal with that failure, your career will be better in the long run. And I've seen talk to a lot of players that are young in the game that have been sent down and come back up. And they say that changed everything for me. Learning to go up and deal with that failure, get sent down and work on it helped me. So the argument of you, you never want to ruin a young player's confidence that early has never really been uh, very good to me. Well, I think the biggest thing, the style of baseball is played in youth and all these different uh, showcase games. Everything has prepped the player to be ready for the moment. I don't personally agree with the philosophy of what and how they get guys like big leaguers in the pitching staff and, and they don't give enough innings. I, I don't believe in that, but it is what it is. So if you're going to stick guys up there and you're going to ask them to compete very young and get their feet wet, then do it yeah. and find out what you got. Find out who you got. Because to me, I would, I would, I would put every pitcher down in the minor leagues and make them ready and give them the opportunity yeah. to get in and out of trouble and not put these handcuffs on them and then get them to the big leagues and ask them to just burn and churn. So if they're going to do it this way, then that's they'd be consistent, and they're doing that, and uh, good for them. Yep. John, we've talked a lot about the Baltimore Orioles, the best team in the AL East, the best record in, in the American League. They've been fantastic for the majority of the year at this point. And we've also discussed how bright the future is for this team, and when are they going to go all in? But 
their owner over the last few days, John Angelos, came out with some comments that basically said, well, when you start handing out this $200 million contract and this $150 million contract, it gets too much and it's just too much on the books. And, uh, I, you know, I don't have the money to be doing that or I'll have to raise ticket prices here and raise this there. I, I just thought the comments were a, a bit alarming. And, and you, when you have this team that appears to be on the cusp of greatness for the next decade, how would you feel as a fan base seeing the, the owner come out with those comments? Yeah, he's just telling the truth. I don't know why the timing of the truth has to happen right now when teams <laughs> have the best year of their season. I don't understand a lot of things that owners do, but it, to each their own. Look, he's basically saying there are other owners that are out there spending and losing. So, you know, they can do that. We can't. Um, and I think I just think the timing's a little weird. Yeah. You know, they've never been an organization that's going to go out and sign a long-term deal to somebody. They're going to have to do it differently. They're in a monster division with the, the likes of the uh, – Yankees and the Red Sox. Now the Red Sox have come down financially and so have the Yankees in their responsibility to spending. So I, I don't understand how some owners do it personally. Some of the contracts seem ridiculous, but I don't blame the players. They're, they're reaping the, the benefit of that. I just don't understand the timing of it. I think he yeah. could have phrased things differently. I think he's being honest. I don't have any problem with him being honest. I just think, to your point, the fan base is like enjoying the best year ever. And then this comes out as like, like almost like, wah, 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 you know, here comes bad news. I don't think it's bad news. I think they're doing it different. And he has a responsibility financially uh, to not go out and lose a ton of money. Yeah, I, 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 I really don't understand the timing. As you said, they're enjoying the best year they've had in a long, long time. And you get to the month of August and you have the owner making firing, if you will, at least for a small period of time, their broadcaster, and then coming out with these comments and the fan base has to just be like, let us have our fun with this team. <laughs> that is very, very good. That includes uh, Gunnar Henderson, John, who I had on the show this week. And I got to ask, what would you have done in this situation where he has a double, a triple, a homer, and just needed a single for the cycle, but decided to forego the single and stretch it into another double, thus not ending up with the cycle, but two doubles, a triple, and a homer? I love this guy. This is who he is. You know, a lot of players would have stumbled and on purpose got a single and not benefited their team. I get it. The cycle's awesome. It's one of those fun things, but... This is a guy that if his pants are not dirty, something's wrong. And he's a, he's a gamer. I mean, this guy gets after it. And I have all the respect in the world. Look, I've seen too many guys on purpose try to just get doubles when they could get triples because of a doubles record. So I have a lot of respect for him. That was a surefire double. Um, and I think anything less would have might, might look worse for him uh, just because I think records have to come as they come. I think they fall in a, in, a, in a way that just happened. I think when you deliberately set records, then I think you're selfishly going after things. I'll give you an example. If your stolen base game is X, if you can steal 50 bases, good for you. But if you then hit your 30th home run and then you've got 22 stolen bases and now all of a sudden you get eight more because you want to be in the 30-30 club, I'm not cool with that. I just think when you get certain numbers to get them, or you stretch them and do things out of the norm, then I think it's just a selfish thing. So I, that's just me. I've seen guys that just 40, 40 is part of their game. They don't wait to get the 40th home run and then steal 40 bases. They steal 40 plus bases because that's part of their game. Yeah. And the 40 home runs just come. I I've, uh, I've agreed with you on this Gunnar Henderson thing. Also like, 
Cycles are really cool. Do not get me wrong, but they do not put money on your table when you're going into a new contract and doubles and OPS and all of that stuff does. So I, I say, go get your extra bases, look up at the end of the year and have more extra bases. And to your point, there were guys foregoing triples to hit doubles. You can't lead the league in doubles by hitting triples, John. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Uh, I will talk to you next week. Look forward to it. All right. See you, John. All right. Thanks again to John for joining me. Always a really, really fun conversation. Today's was interesting. And his comments about the uh, Orioles owner, John Angelus, really got me to think that, you know, I've talked a lot about how this blueprint that the Orioles are rolling with is uh, very much so in line with what the Astros have done for years and years that have led to their success. And Jim Crane himself doesn't really hand out those long-term high dollar contracts, those seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year deals. He just doesn't do it. And uh, I do think the timing, as John said, was really odd. Why now? Just, just let your team go. They're the number one seed currently in the American league. They're playing great. Just why come out with these comments and stir up the fan base and stir up the baseball world? Just let your team go. But it does make me think about what Jim Crane has done with the Astros, and it's it's worked out well over there. So thank you all for listening to this Saturday episode. Uh, we talked a lot about Gunnar Henderson. Go listen to that episode. That was Wednesday's guest episode, and he was awesome. I mean, that guy's going to be a stud. And we talk all about his career and his journey here and this Orioles team and who he thinks is going to win AL Rookie of the Year. But thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, including YouTube, where you can watch every single thing we do at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. Thank you all for listening. Until Monday, my friends, have a great weekend, everybody. Peace. Peace.